All right. Well, we're going to be in Leviticus chapter number 7 this morning and 22. We're going to jump over there and read a couple of verses. But Leviticus chapter number 7 is where we'll start out for our text. And still kind of in a Thanksgiving mode. And uh, I was talking to Brother Jake. I know he spoke a little bit about Thanksgiving and uh, had some testimony time even in Sunday school and uh, in uh, the service last week. And Typically, I was told myself, I forgot to say something, because that's typically what I've tried to do, is have a kind of a testimony time on Thanksgiving. I thought about it, but my sermon kept getting longer and longer. We'll see how it goes. But um, just uh, just thinking about Thanksgiving and just kind of still in that mode, and as I sat down putting together a sermon, I, I, I just I kept thinking about these Old Testament sacrifices. And I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the sacrifice of Thanksgiving, the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Leviticus chapter number 7, right here in the middle of all these rules, regulations, commandments by God on, on what type of offerings He would accept and all the particulars, this kind of animal, you do it this way, you do this with this part, you offer this, and all these details. In the middle of here, I want us to look at just one, kind of a subset of these offerings that has to do with thanksgiving, and we're going to dig into that as we go on. So Leviticus chapter number 7 Verse number 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes... He shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priests that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. And then we'll jump back a few chapters just to read a couple extra verses. I'm going to reference uh, in, towards the end of the ser- sermon this morning. But in chapter number 22, uh, verses 29 and 30. And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. On the same day it shall be eaten up. Ye shall leave none of it until the morrow. I am the Lord. No, I'm a few days late to talk about Thanksgiving, and I tell you, I think just stepping back, just thinking about our culture, our society, I think it says something that Thanksgiving Day has been minimized to just a single day on the calendar, while these last few months, it's either Halloween or Christmas, and Thanksgiving just kind of gets lost in the mix. I saw a, a, a meme on Facebook a few weeks back. And it was a calendar, and it had October, November, December. All of October was marked as Halloween. All of December was marked as Christmas. And then for November, it was all marked as Christmas except for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it said Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's the way a lot of people celebrate. How many of y'all have already listened to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Anybody? Yeah, a few of y'all. Mm-hmm. Anybody put your tree up before Thanksgiving? Okay, I got one. <laughs> but you know, thinking about this, Thanksgiving shouldn't just be a day. It'd be better off to mark all 365 days of the year as Thanksgiving. 
Our concept of Thanksgiving in America has become something of a harvest festival. It carries on a long tradition of humankind celebrating that they've got enough food in to survive through the winter. It's a, we get to live another year. That's kind of the, the, the thinking behind it. Instead of actually, though, expressing our thankfulness to God or even to others, we gorge ourselves on food we didn't have to grow or glean. We just fought somebody at Walmart for it. We watch grown men throw a ball around and try to tackle each other. We survey the sales that will shortly begin in the insanity known as Black Friday and Cyber Monday uh, coming up. The heritage, though, of Thanksgiving Day is, is it's overlooked and even attacked today. At its root, a gathering of settlers and Indians, uh, their, their allies, uh, gathered just to celebrate. We had a harvest. We're going to survive another year. Go read those first couple years uh, uh, of the Plymouth uh, colony. It's a miracle. I mean, most of those folks didn't make it. At its inception, where we kind of established this as a holiday, you go look it up, a presidential decree from the darkest days of the Civil War. This heritage is just, these two settings were from times when people knew how to be thankful for countless blessings bestowed upon them. I'm afraid we've almost entirely lost that in our modern society. We as a people are ungrateful, unappreciative, inconsiderate, apathetic, indifferent, to all but the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. You want to be a rebel in today's society? Be thankful. And if anyone should know how to be thankful, it, should, it would be us Christians. We know what we deserve. According to the Scriptures, we as sinners deserve condemnation, death, hell. And we know the measureless blessings that God so graciously pours down upon us. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Lamentations 3, 22. I love this. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Right in the middle of just, oh, it's, it's so horrible. Uh, God's judged the land. Jerusalem's destroyed. There's this little moment here in the middle of this as the prophet Jeremiah is writing this. It says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you dig into the vocabulary of worship in the Scripture, you'll find that thanksgiving is a vital part of our worship response to God. done some study on this, and, and, I, and by the way, I, I can make a case. Praise and thanksgiving are, are in, intrinsically linked. Uh, they're, they're practically one and the same. The Hebrew word, uh, it's, I'm going to slaughter these, but uh, the Hebrew word yada is found 114 times in the Old Testament and it generally is translated as either praise or giving thanks. That same, that's a verb, There's a, the noun form of it is toda. And it is found 32 times in the Old Testament. In fact, it's the thanksgiving, that's the word there in Leviticus 7. It's found 32 times in the Old Testament, and it's translated as either thanksgiving or praise. To praise God is to thank Him for who He is and what He's done. To thank God is to praise Him for who He is and what He has done. They're, they're practically synonymous. 
That brings us back to our text verses. I think we have here in Leviticus one of the most interesting appearances of the idea, the concept of thanksgiving. It may not be articulated in words, uh, not like when you turn to Psalms and you get these great verses and, and even entire Psalms devoted to praise and thanksgiving. Instead, we have an object lesson. Now, in general, about the offerings that, the, that God commanded the, the Israelites to offer. There's two primary types. There's the non-sweet savor offerings. Uh, the, these are the, for sin, the, the sin and trespass offerings. These deal directly with the idea of sin and judgments. These are completely consumed in fire on the altar. But then there's what are called the sweet savor offerings. There's three types, burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering. And these deal indirectly with sin. They don't ignore sin. I'm going to point that out here in a moment. But only portions of these are consumed in fire. Other things happen with other portions of, of these sacrifices. The sweet savor offerings speak of fellowship with God. They don't ignore sin, but they show the benefits that can be found once our sins have been atoned for. Under the heading of, sweet, uh, of the sweet savor offerings, we find the peace offerings. And you want to get technical, go read Leviticus 3. And you can see all the different uh, prescriptions on offering these. In Leviticus 7, there's three subtypes of these that are brought up. Thanksgiving, vows, and voluntary offerings. There's three different types brought up here. Then these are subtypes. So you have the sweet savor offerings, then you've got the... Um, under, underneath that, you have the, the peace offerings, and then you have these other three kind of underneath that, if you can kind of picture that hierarchy in your mind. And here is, I believe, the first appearance, as I was double-checking this, I believe this in Leviticus 7 is the first time you see that noun for thanksgiving, that word toda. This is the first appearance of the noun. Now, people gave some thanks before this, but it's the first time the noun pops up is right here. The old rabbi said that these thanksgiving offerings would be offered in such cases as deliverance from distress, uh, from perils on the sea. You get out there and you get in a real bad storm on the sea and you think all hope is lost, but you come through. You would thank God for bringing you through by offering this offering. Uh, they said from being released from imprisonment or uh, being healed from disease. These ideas where God's delivered you and you thank Him by offering these. It's not just limited to those, but those that kind of give you some illustrations, some idea. What I want to do this morning, I want to look at some of the details of these very special Thanksgiving sacrifices. And I want us to show some things about what it is to have a thankful spirit and express our thankfulness to God from the details of these. Because I think there's some very interesting things in here. The first thing, and I think this is most important, I'm going to spend a little more time on this than I do some of the other points, is that Thanksgiving begins with atonement. Thanksgiving begins with atonement. While this Thanksgiving offering is not for covering sin, it's, it's not, that's, that's not its primary purpose, it is founded on it. You can go back and read the general idea in Leviticus 3, but there's a number of things that happen in this sacrifice that point to, it, it doesn't ignore sin, it does deal with it. There is identification 
you know, say going back to Leviticus three, when you came and you offered this, you know, this this bull, this 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 goat, you would put your hands on it. That's identification. That's the same thing we do. We identify ourselves and our sins with Christ. We say He is our sacrifice, the Lamb of God. There is substitution. The cattle, the sheep, the goats, they're offered in place of the believer of the offer. So Christ died, a vicarious, in our place, death. There is execution in this. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission. The ultimate price is paid the loss of life. So, Christ gave His life that death could be defeated. There is application. The blood of the sacrifice is taken and they would sprinkle it around the brazen altar of sacrifice there in the courtyard of the, of the tabernacle of the temple. So must the blood of Christ be applied, not generally, but specifically for each of us. Then there is propitiation. This is a payment to, to, to restore good graces. It says, portions of the sacrifices were offered to God and consumed with fire. You didn't just get to take the whole thing home. Some of it did get consumed in fire on the altar. So Christ was not utterly consumed to satisfy God's justice, Yet his suffering abundantly satisfied God's demands. That's how the sacrifice starts. Before we can even get into thanksgiving, there's blood, there's death. I hope you know that's how our salvation was won. It's not just God's love that saved us, that played a part. It's not just God's mercy that saved us, that played a part too. But our salvation is only possible because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. If you go over to Isaiah 53, He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. He carried the chastisement of our peace upon Him. He bore the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. He was cut off out of the land of the living. He was stricken for the transgression of the people. He made His grave with the wicked and with the rich in His death. But that's not the end of the story. Isaiah 53.10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed. He, God, shall prolong his Christ's days. That's the resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see, he, God, shall see the travail of his Christ's soul and shall be satisfied. He looks and says, Christ. What you did on the cross, that is what I need. That satisfies the demands of justice and the law. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's the foundation for our thankfulness. It begins when we love and we trust in the Christ of the old rugged cross. You have trouble being thankful? Just picture the old rugged cross. Picture your Savior on the cross. Picture the agony He endured 
for you, for me, for our neighbors, for the world. That'll change your perspective on a lot of things. Just go back and kneel at the cross for a little bit. The second thing I want to point out, and this one, you have to follow me on a little bit, but I'm going to say imperfect thankfulness is acceptable. Imperfect thankfulness is acceptable. Along with the blood sacrifice, we read this in chapter number 7, there's a special meal offering that is associated with the sacrifice. In chapters 12 and 13, there's special breads, cakes, that they would make that were, were part of this offering. It's, it's not really uncommon. We don't usually focus on these things, but generally when you offered a blood sacrifice, these were part of it. All of Leviticus chapter 2 deals with these things. If you want to go look at all the details of this. Typically, this is an interesting point on here. Typically, these are offered. There's two restrictions on these. They cannot have leaven, the yeast, and they cannot have honey. Those two things are, are forbidden. They're just simple breads. The ingredients that are listed are flour, oil, and salt. Some of these would be burned on the altar. Some are given to the priest, and, and that was part of God's provision for them as part of for their care. But what's striking about the Thanksgiving offering is it allows for leaven in some of these cakes, in some of these breads. It allows for leaven. If you recall the story of Passover, they, they would take, they would remove all the leaven from out of their house. Even the Jews today, they celebrate, they've got a little ceremony. They'll, they'll remove it all out of their house and they, they, they leave a little bag and the kids find it and they ceremonially throw it out. And, but this is a big deal uh, with that, with the picture uh, that, that's there in Passover. Leaven is a picture of sin. It's one of the most basic principles of Bible interpretation you will find. It's forbidden in various applications over 30 times in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy alone. Example, Leviticus 2.11. No meat offering, that's these bread offerings, which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, for ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in an offering of the Lord made by fire. I find only two times... In, in these Old Testament, uh, the, the, the regulations here, that leaven was ever allowed in sacrifices. Here and in the Feast of First Fruits, where they celebrate the beginning of the harvest. Why? Why, why then? Why is there an exception made? All these other times it says, don't, don't use leaven. Get it out. Only unleavened bread. Why here? Why is this allowed? I'm going to give you my theory. This is gaugeology, and I hope it makes sense, okay? Most of the sacrifices focus on God and His actions, not mankind's. The pictures of holiness, perfection. When we offer a lamb, it had to be no spot, no blemish. When you offer the, uh, the bread, there had to be no leaven in it. Those are pictures of, of, of perfection, uh, picturing Christ and His perfection, His holiness. I don't think that this leaven bread is meant to picture something about God because God's holy. God's not corrupted. God, God is pure. That's part of His holiness. He, he not only is pure, He cannot be corrupted. So I think this pictures us. Think about this. When you offered a sacrifice in here, 
you came to offer this sacrifice and you had your goat that you're going to offer and you had this bread that was part of it. Who made the goat? You didn't make the goat. God made the goat. <laughs> okay? God did that. There's very little. You can protect it. You can, But there's only so much you can do. God had to, had to do that. We can't give life. But think about bread. Who makes bread? So well, God made the grain. God made the oil. God made the water. God made everything else. But who made it? It was man. Man made the bread. What we offer from our own hands, unfortunately, is tainted by our sinfulness. We can't be perfect. God is holy. God is perfect. But by definition, anything we touch is corrupted. <laughs> anything we touch is flawed. I think what God is saying here is I don't expect perfect thanksgiving because you're not perfect. But I do expect thanksgiving. I think that's the picture here. Is This is what we're offering to God. And it's, it's, it is corrupted with the leaven, with the picture of sin. I think he's saying he knows what we offer isn't perfect. But it doesn't have to be. He wants us to offer what we can. One day, we'll be up in heaven, gathered around the throne, and we'll, we'll for all eternity, we'll have perfect thanksgiving. But until that time, what do we do? We give what we can. We do what we can. I think that's the picture of the leaven here. This isn't a picture of what God does. It's a picture of what we do. Now, it's not burned on the altar because it has nothing to do with uh, salvation or sacrifice or anything like that. But as part of this, I think that's why it's allowed. I think because it, it's a picture of us in there. So our Thanksgiving doesn't have to be perfect. It can be a little bit messed up. But God wants us to have that Thanksgiving. God wants us to give it. Over everybody's head, right? Number three, thanksgiving is beneficial to the giver. I'm convinced that the best life you can live is according to the principles found in Scripture. God not only tells us how to live a life to honor Him, but also how to live a life that is good for us. And there's something special about these thanksgiving offerings, uh, these peace offerings, this type of offering that's often overlooked. We tend to think of all these sacrifices that, oh, you go, you kill your lamb, and you burn it all on the altar, and, and that's it. You just give it all to God. But not all of them work that way. Verse 15 of Leviticus 7, And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. Did you catch that? You went and you took your, 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 your bull or your goat or your lamb. You took that. You took it to the priest. They would butcher it. They would take the blood. They'd sprinkle it around the altar. There's portions of it that were dedicated to God. And there's some portions of some things that would go to the priest. You go read all these different regulations and things. But when this is done, they hand you a bunch of meat. And you get to eat it. The offer gets to eat part of the sacrifice. God is honored in the offering and man is blessed through it. This makes the peace offering one of great joy because you get to eat. Isn't that the main principle of Thanksgiving? That's the way we celebrate it. You get to eat in this. If you want to have a fun little study, go and, and uh, go look at the history of Israel. Go into all the historical books and find all the mentions of peace offerings. And what you will find is when these are offered are times of celebration. When the king is uh, uh, crowned or anointed. 
when the temple is open. Uh, when these great things happen, that's when they offer these peace offerings. Um, and I'm going to tell you the way I think about this, and this may not be really good Bible interpretation. This may be the Texan in me coming out. But when I see peace offering, this is what I think of. Barbecue. Because these people are getting to eat. And that's, honestly, I'm not, I don't think I'm too far off in that. God gets parts of it. But the people get this. And they get to share. And it becomes this big communal meal. And by the way, they didn't have refrigeration and stuff back then. So you didn't get, just get to go eat you know, meat every time. You, this is, these are pretty rare circumstances for these guys. I'm going to chase that rabbit. Don't need to do that. There's a lot more meat, by the way, in these sacrifices than one person can eat. If I were to go and take my little lamb here and uh, go and offer this sacrifice and the priest does his part and God burnt, you know, part of it's burned, but I'm still going to end up with a lot more than I'm going to sit down and eat. That's why this turns into a communal celebration. The Thanksgiving spreads. I like that. Other people get to be brought into this celebration. Can it be any clearer? When we're thankful to God, He is glorified, we are blessed, and others are brought into the blessing and the worship. Such a wonderful, practical picture, and you get to eat in the same thing. The fourth thing, and I'm just about done. This one's going to be very short. Thanksgiving cannot wait. The verses we read from Leviticus 22, when ye offer a sacrifice to thanksgiving the Lord, offered at your will, on the same day it shall be eaten up, you shall leave none of it until the morrow. There's these two more characteristics of the thanksgiving offering. First off, that it is voluntary. Uh, it is to be born to God freely from our own free will. It's not something he says, you have to do this. You ever tell your kids, what's something you're thankful for? Oh, no. Well, you better take, think of something. You know, you, know we, we may, you, you can't force somebody to be thankful. You can't do it. That has to be come from their own heart. They can repeat the words, but that doesn't mean they're thankful. To be thankful is a choice that we make, and it comes out of that free will. The second thing is it must be consumed immediately. Thanksgiving is not something you can store up. There are some things you can store up. You know, you can study the Scripture and you can say, okay, I don't need that truth now. I'm going to file it away. I had a Bible college teacher that told me in Bible college, this is what you do. You get all you can. You can all you get. Get it, preserve it. And then you get out there and you open the can. He said that, that's, that's, that was his philosophy of Bible college training. Learn all you can. Store it all up and then get out there and just let loose. I always like that. But Thanksgiving is not something you can store. It spoils, if you will. You ever try to keep things a little past the due date? Like, oh, I'll, I'll eat that later. Y'all still got stuff from Thursday in your fridge? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you'll put that in there and you'll forget about it or it goes a little long and you think, okay, that's not good anymore. You, sometimes There's some things that just don't last. Thanksgiving is one of those things, if you don't give it, if you don't use it, it spoils. It goes bad. You forget about it. When you have a reason to be thankful, you need to express it quickly. 
don't let it wait. When God does something good, you don't wait till the end of the year and look back and say, oh, God, hey, you did a lot of good things. When God does something good, lift your eyes towards heaven. God, thank you. Wow, this is amazing. You, you're amazing. You answered my prayer. Do it immediately. Don't wait till church. Don't even wait to text somebody, tell them the good news. Take that thanksgiving to God immediately. Don't, don't let it wait. Don't let it wait. Because if you're like me, the things you put off don't ever happen. You forget. You move on. Don't, thanksgiving is one of those things you can't do that with. You can't store it. You can't can it. You can't refrigerate it. You can't freeze it. You need, to, you need to use it when you have it. When you have a reason to be thankful, give it out. Express it in the moment. As musicians come, three quick points. First off, do you realize what God has done for you? No one can look at God and say, I don't have anything to be thankful for. In fact, our hearts are still beating, we're still breathing. We got a lot to be thankful for. Thankful to be where we're at, America, more specifically Texas, more specifically Wise County. We got a lot to be thankful for. We got friends. We got family. We've got a church home. We've got freedom. We've got, you, you, you could go on and on. You could count your blessings until you hit infinity, and you're just getting started. Good. But do you realize? Do you see it? And if you say I don't have anything to be thankful for, it's because you're not looking. The second thing I ask is: Have you expressed your thankfulness to God? Now that we know there are things to be thankful for, now that we know He's good, He has done good for us, do we ever go to Him and say, God, thank You. Thank You. Thank You for saving my soul. Thank You for answering my prayer. Thank You for bringing me through that trial. Thank You for giving me my family. I don't know, sometimes I wonder about that one. but Thank You. Do you ever thank Him? By the way, I had, I've talked a lot about thanking God in this. Now you can apply a lot of this to thanking people too. And I, I get that most focus more on thanking God. Um, but if you start in the habit of thanking God, you'll start thanking people too. It's one of those things. I think you get your priorities right. You start being thankful to God. That kind of aligns your spirit and makes you more thankful. You know, it needs to start there. Start thanking God first. And by the way, it's a side note. Like, what would prevent Thanksgiving? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's pride. It's pride. I deserve this. It's my right. That's the opposite of Thanksgiving, is because we think we deserve this. Let me go back and remember who we are before an almighty, holy God. And the last thing I have to ask is, have you taken the first steps of Thanksgiving it all begins when we know Christ as our Savior. Even this sacrifice that is one of praise, it's one of celebration, it still has to acknowledge that there is a blood price. It still acknowledges that there has to be some atonement made before we can properly praise and thank God. The first steps of thanksgiving are the steps of salvation, accepting Christ knowing our sinfulness, knowing 
the judgment of God upon us, but knowing that Christ paid the price for us and accepting that gift in faith, believing and trusting in Him and what He did fully, not ourselves, but fully in Him. That's the first step to thankfulness. If you have trouble being thankful, go back to that. You remember that day, it'll make you thankful. It'll make you thankful. That's where you start. Hope you've started right there that you know that Christ is your Savior. What number there, Owen? 326. 326 in the Baptist Hymnal, if you'll sing along with the invitation song. We'll have just a short time of invitation if you'll stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this season. The Thanksgiving season is so wonderful. The friends, the family, a lot of good times, a lot of good memories made. But Lord, as we really ought to be pausing to be thankful, let us remember, let's open our eyes and just see how good you are to us. We can never repay you. We, we can't even thank you enough for what you have done for us, for saving our souls. And then just pouring out blessing after blessing through your mercy, through your grace on us. Lord, let us be thankful to others. That's important, but mainly let us be thankful to you for the blessings that you give to us, starting with our salvation and just building from there. Lord, let us be humble, let's not give in to pride, and let us truly be thankful people for what you do for us. Challenge our hearts, I pray, with this just simple thoughts here this morning. and Speak to us in this invitation time. I pray this in our holy name. Amen.